You are now listening to the Motivational Mentors Podcast with your hosts, Luke Burrows. Touch on morning routines. I think people have to find something that works for them. And Arsenio Buck. Hey, Arsenio, let's go party. Hey, party. If someone asked me to party right now, Luke, come on. What the hell's a party? A party? A party for what? Guys, welcome back to Motivational Mentors. I am your crazy ass host, Arsenio, as usual, along with my sidekick, Luca Burrows, out there in Stroud, England. And you know what? Today I got one of my own on here. Her name is Erica. No, well, Erica. Yeah, I'm using the English accent, Spanish accent. And I might butcher your last name, Sir God. I think I got it correct, correct? That's right. You got it. Yeah. Awesome. So we got Erica Surgot, man. She does so many different things in terms of like uh, empowering, uh, you know, business entrepreneurs and breaking the hustle, the art of success, less stress, mindsets, so many different things, especially in terms of, you know, clinical hypnotherapy, which we will be diving into today. And without further ado, Erica, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's our pleasure having you on the show today. And for those who don't know who you are, could you, um, in a couple of minutes or so, just summarize who you are, what you do, and then yeah, Arsenio and I will fire some questions at you and yeah, we'll take it from there. Great, yeah, sure. So I am, um, my name is Erica Surgat and I'm based out of Brooklyn, New York. I am a mindful life and success coach and I work primarily with entrepreneurs, but I work with any leader who is struggling with burnout or overwhelm, the stresses of, you know, living in our modern culture where we are always on the go, always connected and never really getting into the experience of uh, deep rest or disconnection. Um, that can be super healing and rebalancing to our and enhancing our productivity and our well-being. Um, I have a background in, uh, actually my first career was in fashion. I worked in fashion for 10 years and then in that whole experience. It was super cool. I loved it. I loved, uh, I met so many amazing people, really creative people, but I felt like something was missing for me personally. And I saw my colleagues getting kind of burned out, overwhelmed, not being able to take care of their bodies, their, their minds and their wellness. And kind of felt like, you know, is this where I want to be in 10, 15 years, you know, in the same place? So I just by chance, it was really uh, synchronistic, you could say, I ended up teaching, falling into teaching yoga, and then that led me into teaching meditation, and I, which ironically, uh, in New York City, I became burnt out as a yoga teacher, which felt like super silly, because I'm running around New York City, providing wellness and relief to so many amazing people. And here on my own, I was getting burnt out. So I got very curious into different practices that can help us to rebalance our nervous systems, can change our mindsets about what has to happen, um, how life has to be. Like, you know, there's so many, like there's that hustle culture that so many of us are aware of and connected to and see on social media. Yet um, we're not like as humans, we're not meant to be always on the go, always doing things. Uh, we need that rest and relaxation. So that got me into this coaching work, into 
studying and learning things like hypnotherapy, Reiki healing, um, mindset work, neurolinguistic programming, and so on. So it's a it's a big. Uh, uh, I've got a lot of tools in my toolkit. Um, the Melt Method, which you mentioned, Arsenio, that's a a uh, body technique to release uh, tension or stuck stress in our fascia and our tissues. And all there's this like kind of cheesy saying like issues are in our tissues. So when we can work through the body, we can also help. You know, there's so many different avenues, I guess, to to help us bring our our bodies and our minds back into balance, so that we can do more and actually in a more uh, enjoyable, holistic way. So that's, you know, I guess a little bit of an overview of what I do. <laughs> man, that's awesome, man. There's so many different avenues we could go on with this. NLP is another topic that Luke and I have not touched upon just yet. But first and foremost, you got a very famous guy over there in New York City. He's all part of the hustle culture. I don't know what the name, Madison Avenue, whatever you want to call it, but uh, he runs Vayner Media. And his name goes by the name of Gary V. And he's into that hustle culture. And now a lot of people are into this hustle culture. And that hustle culture can ultimately breed burnout. So what is it with these younger entrepreneurs taking this route where they're believing some of these older men who believe, hustle, 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 come on, come on, come on, four, four hours, four hours of sleep. It's just too much. It's way too overwhelming. Your health will deteriorate. Mental illness will set in. Lots of things could happen. You know what I mean? So what are some... What are some things that you did in terms of the burnout culture going around and saying to yourself, okay, enough is enough. And what are some things that other people could do if they're feeling overwhelmed in general? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's, it's really, it is challenging because there are so many leaders like Gary Vee who, you know, while some of his, uh, teachings or offerings or messages are valuable, there's another aspect to it, which it's, it's toxic and it's dangerous. And when you're young, it's, it's sustainable for a while. You can push that hard. But as you mentioned, there is that it does accumulate and you can have that risk of, you know, mental illness, burnout, adrenal fatigue, et cetera, and so on. So finding a, a community of people who are more supportive of you and of you taking rest is, is really important. You know, it's, it's hard. I, I work with different, um, a, a lot of corporate offices um, teaching meditation. And it's, you know, a lot of, uh, I work in a financial institution as well. And there's, you know, they're always on the go. They're always connected. And, but what's something that's super cool about this financial institution is that they have um, a gym, a fitness center set up in their office. And when I guess, you know, you have a, enough uh, cloud or enough stability in the business, they come and they'll do a yoga or a meditation session with me during their day to help them reset and recharge. So it's, you want to find a culture, a community, whether it's in your workplace or outside where you can, um, you can work against uh, this very seductive and um, and disempowering uh, cultural identity that we must push harder, that we must push harder. Um, it, it's, it's a challenge, definitely. The other thing that I would say is trying to establish um, your morning and evening routines is super important to have um, 
some time carved out if you can't make those changes within where you're working, you know, or within your general community, if you find that everyone around you is kind of in this uh, trance, I would say, this operating within this illusion that this is the way you have to find success. I, I see in a couple years, there's going to be a major shift um, just because, you know, there are people, like you, you mentioned, mental illness. This can, like, unfortunately, has led some people to suicide, you know, just too much overwhelm. When you don't get enough sleep, your mind is not functionally optimally. You're more prone to depression, to anxiety, and it's all these psychological disorders are things that we've accepted as as part of life and they are part of life but uh and there's nothing wrong if you're struggling with that but it shouldn't we should be able to have a, a system that's more supportive in place to help us to learn how to calm down to develop these mindfulness skills um, and the skills of what I call deep rest, being able to fully recharge. Like when in history have we been so connected that, you know, even if you go to a remote island, you're probably still gonna get Wi-Fi and you're probably still gonna get your work emails. Like there's there's basically nowhere to go off the grid. Um, so taking those moments of intentional pause and quiet and it's going to feel scary and stressful the first times you do it you know turning your phone on airplane mode at home you know you're going to be like oh my gosh the world's going to like fall and burn to the ground if i turn my phone off um but just taking these like little micro steps and then i teach this practice of deep breaths that's called a yoga nidra meditation which mimics the brain waves of sleep um it's actually used uh here in the u.s with veterans suffering from ptsd um and so that is something that can really help to bring our um nervous system back into balance um as well as you know taking these time to do some breath work uh movement therapy and whatnot so there's a lot of different things that you can do and and i something that i've realized over the years so i've, I've been teaching and working in the wellness industry for the last five years full time and Initially, I thought, you know, like, oh, yoga is the way. Yoga is the only way to, like, figure, uh, to, to find your balance, to bring, to find purpose and meaning and healing and, uh, in life. And in the recent years, I've realized, you know, there's a lot of different ways for people to get that type of restoration. And for some people, it's running. For some people, it's lifting. Other people, it might be, you know, watching a movie that really like connects and inspires them, making art, you know. So finding your thing that helps you to break free from this cultural illusion of, you know, always having to push. Maybe it's being in nature, traveling, whatnot, spending time with friends. Yeah. And so then do you think it like, comes back into like self-awareness of knowing what like your thing is to, 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 like, to go into that place where you're disconnecting? Um, and kind of how do people go about that? Is it just like trying different things, like trying if running works for you or if, you know, like yoga or you know, like meditation? Yeah. What's, what's like your thoughts around, around that? I'm curious how people then find their thing, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, I think there's, uh, I, I'm having two thoughts come to mind. The first is, yeah, like, yeah, it's like, um, you know, like a buffet. You kind of want to like try the different things at the buffet and see what you like. 
Um, and then, you know, if you go to a different restaurant, you might be like, oh, I'm going to get that again because I, I was able to sample it at the buffet. But, and that can be really great. You know, it's like finding your purpose. You might not know what your purpose is until you try a bunch of different things um, and see what connects. Yet at the same time, what, so there's, that's the, the, my first answer. Yeah, try different things, experience it, see how you feel, how you react. The second response is, when we are hyper stimulated like we are and our nervous systems are out of whack we're drinking coffee and you know i mean i have coffee here i'm not against drinking coffee at all um but mm -hmm. we are like so over caffeinated so over stimulated from media and you know new york is like one of the the main hubs of all this overstimulation. When we try to relax, it signals to our nervous system that there is a danger or a threat. So oftentimes we have to ease into this practice of being able to rest and recharge. And so something like meditation, I've, I've had in New York City, um, clients come into you know a group setting and have to leave before the session is through because it's so disturbing or alarming you know it's like trying to I'm thinking like trying to get a car that's going a hundred miles per hour and it's kind of like and it's always going a hundred miles per hour you know and it's starting to run out of gas run out of fumes um, and the parts are breaking down but it's trying to get that car that just wants to keep going keep going to um to slow down and to shift down into gears but it's like somebody has the handle uh, or the gear shifted all the way up the foot all the way to the gas and and it feels very alarming and jarring to, to slow down that's just like a unusual um analogy but it's it's i think you can kind of start to get the idea um and only when the car runs out of fumes normally or gas do, do people start to actually you know they just crash and they go to bed rather than being able to like slow the car down to be able to you know pull into a nice parking spot and um and uh you know turn the car off and everything it's like running on empty versus being able to slow yourself down so i think there's a lot of you know all of this like gary v and every everybody there's just going to be a, a, a limit that society is going to hit where then they, we realize we have to operate differently. And it's already, it's already starting. It's already shifting here in New York. There's more and more um, like nap pods popping up and other like rest and recharge centers. Um, nice. And I think people, Money. yeah, people think that if we rest and we recharge, we're like losing our competitive edge actually comes out of our like ability to operate like in our most optimal way and it's dependent upon our rest our, our success is dependent upon our rest so that's what gives us our competitive edge our our healthy minds yeah that's um what was that i just saw an article just about less than a week ago and it said people who take our naps during the day maybe a few times a week are more prone to either living a longer life or more it's like a preventative like can't like prevent preventative in terms of cancer and other illnesses yeah yeah again if i could get my one hour power nap i told luke today i said luke yeah today you know i'm gonna have a little bit more energy 
because again, I was able to get my little power nap in the afternoon. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I don't have it, you know, the evening becomes a drag. I become irritable, uh, lots of things, you know? And it just all depends if I go into deep sleep the night before. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness, being able to meditate, this all ties in with that. And again, the, the younger entrepreneurs right now who follow Gary Vee, the whole hustle culture, they probably and for sure don't believe in meditation, mindfulness or anything like that, as well as probably personal development and other things. So when it comes into, when you go into mindfulness and, you know, meditation, we've talked about meditation a couple of times before, but hypnotherapy. Now, if we compare the both, what, what are the differences between hypnotherapy and meditation? Yeah. So hypnotherapy is, so I actually uh, learned hypnotherapy because of the style of meditation that I teach the most called yoga nidra, which is this yogic sleep um, style of meditation. So super, super deep meditation. Because when I was teaching it, a lot of people would ask me, they're like, was that hypnotherapy? Was that was that hypnosis? Was I just hypnotized? And I was like, you know, definitely not. But um, let me like understand more of what the difference is and hopefully find some value in both. So yoga nidra meditation is more like you go through a hypnagogic state. So right, we're in a conscious state right now where we're, we're talking, we're in beta brain waves, our minds, our brain waves are super active, lots of movement. But then there, when we start to rest, our brainwaves go through a state called the alpha brainwave state that is really relaxing and soothing to our nervous system and our bodies. But most of the things that we do to relax and recharge are actually um, sensory diversions, like watching TV, drinking alcohol, listening to music. There's some sort of stimulation, you know? And so we typically skip this brainwave state that's really healing for the body and jump into just deep sleep or into our um, crash and fall asleep. Um, and don't remember, you know, our dreams the next morning. Sometimes we wake up even after eight, nine hours of sleep and still feel really, really tired and fatigued because we're skipping this recovery period because our bodies and brains are just crashing. So within yoga nidra, you're going through this um, alpha brainwave state and you're not actually trying to sleep. You're trying to stay in this suggestible brainwave state where you can actually self-suggest and start to shift your identity. So I'm as a as a facilitator of yoga nidra, I'm more of a guide and I help you co-create the experience rather. Whereas in hypnosis, I would be based on conversations that say you and I would have about like what you, uh, limiting beliefs that you want to overcome or goals or dreams that you have, um, identities that you would like to shift. I would create almost like a narrative, a story that would, I would then, um, so suggest to you that you would listen on repeat. We would, we would get you in this, a very similar receptive state, but it would be a little bit more directed from me. And there are some dangers associated with hypnosis. I don't want to say it's it's dangerous, but um, you know you want to find a good pract- uh, practitioner that you can trust. Um, it's it's very interesting. Like 
to me with all of this mindset work, all of this healing, and whether it's in yoga, meditation, or um, personal development, when you, there's a lot of facilitators, teachers, gurus out there who within all um, parameters, whether it's like Tony Robbins or, you know, some of these yoga teachers who have been called out in the in the last uh, few years, um, who, who have been like manipulated people and, you know, create through, well, for example, through, um, through NLP and there's, have, have you, uh, either of you watched or heard anything about um, Darren Brown? He, oh, he's from the UK. So he's this, like, he's a, he's a mentalist and is what he likes to call himself. And he's actually um, in New York City now doing a show on Broadway. And he's had a couple TV shows. And, and there's a special on Netflix right now. Boy, use my TV in the back. Um, and uh, he, uh, he there, it's, like, pretty wild. If you, like, search him on YouTube, you can see him going around New York City and paying for stuff with blank paper because of how he can suggest people to people um, like, you know, through neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis techniques to follow, to follow his suggestion. So he'll, he like paid for, you know, like uh, an $800 ring all with blank paper and like walked out. And so when people are in these different it's like, I'm getting a little off topic, but I think it's still important because um, I'll take a step back. So when people are looking to, are burnt out and they are feeling like lack of purpose or lack of value and lack of worth, they often come to into wellness or seeking teachers, seeking advisors and guidance from you know, people, Gary Vee, Tony Robbins, these master yoga teachers. And these people assume a lot of power and influence. And through that influence, they can sometimes spread messages that are not either, not in the best interest. And I, I don't think any of these people are intentionally trying to cause harm, but they, um, they're not necessarily empowering the individual these teachers are, you know, having them, if you think about Tony Robbins business model, they're like spending like $40,000 to sign up for some of his programs, you know, tens and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to go to these life-changing workshops, which very well may be life-changing, but there are, there's a sort of like dependence on him there is a dependence on these other teachers and they create Tony Robbins and, and these um, yoga gurus who have been called out for sexual abuse, um, physical, mental, physical and mental, emotional abuse um, have, they create a context and environment where people are more susceptible and these more vulnerable people who are looking for guidance are coming into them and are, are falling into these, traps whether these teachers are bad intention it's difficult to know but there is definitely a, that that is happening and so darren brown his uh work demonstrates how susceptible we are to this suggestion these suggestions with hypnotherapy you want to find a practitioner who really is not out to who's, who has your best interest in mind, you know, um, and is 
really trying to support you into um, to getting the results that you want. And it's less about them and the, like w helping their business. I, that, I that, no, that's like a little tangent, but through all of this work, I got super interested in cults and how people are influenced and, um, mm -hmm. and how businesses are built. Because I think there's a very fine line between influencing people and and creating positive impact in their life and influencing people and creating harm. Yeah, it, it's so, sorry, Luke, I know, I know Luke is just there like, whoa, what's happening? Yeah. You know, it's uh, I mean, on, a very, uh, on, a, on a very, on a very, it's like, it's a, definitely a little tangential. I was saying, oh, okay, there you go, there you go. Yeah, okay. I, can, yeah. <laughs> I was saying you can cut that. It's, it's definitely tangential, but. No, it's funny. Um, well, on a, on a serious but light note, uh, there, there are two, two of these uh, show hosts, right? And they were talking about leadership, some kind of sports thing. And this guy, Skip Bayless, I'm not sure if you know Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless. They're like, one's a football player, whatever, ex-football player, who cares? But Shan Skip was trying to back up the point that someone was a leader, and then Shannon on a very, uh, I guess, in a very, in a very weird way, he said, you know who else was a leader? John Jones. And so John yeah. Jones was the guy that took those 900 people in uh, 1970s to Guyana and they, he yeah. made a power of influence, bad intention. Yeah. Everyone drinks cyanide, 900 yeah. people dead, the biggest mass. It, it was horrific, but yeah, that, that type of, that type of cult, that type of influence, that type of bad intention people really do have that yeah. <sighs> scary is that nlp though is that how nlp well, is i so it, it's not <laughs> i think it's like the dark side you know it's like <laughs> right I, i'm kind of a nerd i love star wars you know and i love like you know game of thrones and all this stuff and all of these techniques they have so much so much beauty and opportunity and value yet at the same time it can be used for like not good stuff and i i think a lot of these leaders who have caused and created harm um and influence people in really horrible ways i don't think they always start out like that i don't think these all these people are like out to you know you know make that that I don't think that's the outcome they're seeking from the beginning, but it gets that way through. Yeah, um, so I, I guess this is a very long way to say what I do is all about helping to empower the people I work with to become autonomous in this like self-development. Human connection is essential to our lives, but there's so there are so many practitioners out there who are through you know marketing and all these techniques trying to build up their identities so that more people can be see their influence become more dependent on them and whatnot so i find the best teachers healers practitioners coaches out there are ones who are teaching these skills and these values and putting the power back into the hands of the individuals um, rather than you know making it about oh what i have to offer what i have to give nlp works on the the function of like the subconscious mind the conscious mind and with that like you know it's like spider i'm, I'm like such a nerd spider-man you know with great power comes great responsibility right so when you're working with the mind there's a lot of there's a lot of capacity for things to go to be really really helpful and maybe not so helpful like there are great there are great 
therapists, like psychotherapists, and they're great NLP hypnotherapist coaches, but there are also on both ends of that spectrum, there are people who are maybe not the most healed themselves. And so they're, they're spreading, uh, you know, and influencing people through great marketing campaigns and um, social media power in, in ways that are maybe not the most supportive, like, you know, this hus whole hustle culture, this trance of the hustle. So I, NLP is helping us to look at the beliefs that we have to shift our world views from a very deep level. Hypnotherapy helps with that um, to get you into a trance state, a more receptive state so that those can take deeper root. And yoga nidra has a similar effect, but it's more based on yourself, um, your your self-suggestion it comes more from yourself yeah and so do you think a part of that is because it's quite an easy like industry to like get into you know like somebody tomorrow can decide you know i'm going to become a coach now and start branding themselves as a coach online and start picking up clients you know do you think that's part of the like the challenge yeah i think it's um I think it is a bit of that, you know, there's, yeah, there's not a ton of restrictions or credentials that you have to have nationally or internationally to be able to, while there are some institutions that, you know, will accredit you, you don't necessarily have to have those accreditations and those, the, the standards aren't necessarily, um, it, it's not standardized, I guess I would say, what makes a coach. Um, and that being said, I know I'm being, going like super harsh into like all of the bad stuff that can happen, but there, you know, being a mentor to anybody, there, there's so much value that so many people have to help mentor and support others. It's just, you know, I think a lot, a lot of coaches and mentors out there are getting started into it without, you know, having some inside experience and, um, you know, the resources themselves, you know, to be able to support others, like skills and whatnot. But then I'll send you, I remember, was it a couple of episodes ago? I'm, I'm pretty sure because we were talking about when Gary Vee says, you know, a 21 year old or a 25 year old or something can't become a life coach. And you were going on about, well, you know, experience in that. So oh, it's kind of like that two double end thing of maybe being really um, an easy industry to enter then actually we all we all have experiences um and when you come out of the other side of those experiences then you have kind of that to then help and empower other people so i was thinking, i don't, don't know your thoughts about that because obviously that, that that was something that you were saying in the previous yeah, episode absolutely if, if you think about it if someone was in human trafficking and they were able to escape using a different number of things of course they would have probably the most powerful influence in the world over people like Gary Vee and everyone else, you know, because they will cater to a market that's in desperate need. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter about age. So if you look at someone, what, at the age of 18, 20, I remember we brought on that, uh, that, that girl, I forgot her name, but we brought on a younger individual. She's like 21 and, you know, she was a coach. And of course, Gary Vee has always said, oh no, they can't, what, what the hell? You can't be a 21 year old life coach. And it's just like, that's ageism. You know what I mean? That's one of the seven deadly horsemen that Napoleon Hill mentioned in this book almost 100 years ago. It doesn't matter what it is. It matters what you can help people with, you know? And there are things that we go through on a consistent basis. There are people who are physically abused. 
emotionally abused, uh, orphans, adopted, terrible foster homes, this, that. If you've been through that, you can help people get out of that. And so a lot of these, uh, these Gen Xs, you know, if you will, or, you know, Gen, you know, Gen, whatever you want, Gen B, whatever you want to call them, they believe that, no, you have to be a particular age to be a life coach. It's like, come on, really? If that's the case, no one over the age of 40 could be one because you guys were born and you guys lived during some of the worst times in all of American history and all of the world history. You know what I mean? So I don't know. What do you think, uh, Erica? I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's like an age thing, but I rather, I think it's like knowing, knowing your limits and, um, of what you can support people with. Like, yeah, you used human trafficking as an example or experiencing abuse. And I think you can totally, like one of my good friends is a, a coach and a, a mentor for, um, women who've been in abusive relationships and she experienced that herself and the manipulation that occurs and how you can get stuck in those um like brainwashed by a spouse or a partner and get stuck in those environments um and when you think of of that like and she adds so much value to these these women's lives through the blog articles she writes and and the support that she offers but she's not selling herself as somebody who can solve all of your problems as somebody who she's not you know falsely advertising that she has like a psychotherapy degree or whatnot or that you shouldn't seek psychotherapy help you know i think it's the a difference or a challenge is when um some of maybe these coaches young or old i i don't think it's just young young people are portraying or or are selling or marketing themselves as the answer to all problems as having all of these sources and capacities that they don't actually can't actually provide you know i think social media has made it so that you know i don't i don't know like i can't think of any good examples right now of course but like oh buy this workbook and if you buy this workbook then you will never have stress again or like or like you know it's just like absurd claims that and then you buy the workbook and you're like, oh, I still have stress. Like, why isn't this working? And then they were like, oh, well, actually, you need to buy this other course and this other uh, course. Yeah, it's know? like a click funnel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, you know, I think those programs and courses are great and super valuable a lot of the time. But it, it's, a, yeah, like knowing your limits, knowing that like, okay, yeah, I can be the support to like for my friend, for example, who has, um, who's struggling in this. Um, abusive relationship, but I'm also not going to say I'm the only support that she ever needs, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I, it, it takes some wisdom, whatever age you are to be able to say, I can help you with this, but I can't help you with that. You know, like taking your ego out of it and your need to be right or the, the, the support and to be able to say, no, this is my limit. And here I would also, we can keep working together. I can keep helping and supporting you, but I think it's also important for you to uh, maybe check out these other resources, a therapist or like a, a community group or whatnot. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it just, that, that would be my answer. Know your limits, know what you can offer and don't be afraid to, to offer other support. So we were just having a conversation uh, with someone just last night 
Uh, it's funny, people are going to be listening to this like, when was last night? It was a long time ago, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because <laughs> we always back these up. So, but she was telling me, like, how can you put trust into someone, like a coach or this or that? I mean, what are some tips that you would give someone in terms of trying to trust someone who doesn't have a hidden agenda, who's not trying to NLP you. We'll put that as the same. You know what I mean? Like, cause trust, man, I just finished my Stephen Covey speed of trust doing all the podcasts and everything, mm. the most life changing book ever. But I understand so much about high taxes, high dividends, all, you know, low dividends or low taxes, high dividends, all that good stuff. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what, like you would have to do research or you have to go after high, you know, high ticket holders or uh, are they in the best interest of their clients or are they just out to make money? You see what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Cause you do a lot of things too. And I don't know if it's by word of mouth people know about you or yeah. what. Yeah. All of my clients have come to me through word of mouth, um, actually uh, through referrals. Um, I would say, when you're looking for a seat, t- test out whether or not you can trust somebody. Um, the first thing I would say is like the person that you're working with, you know, shouldn't be cutting you off from the other supports in your life. You know, they shouldn't be, if they're acting like they're the end all be all, you know, disconnect from family, friends, uh, whatnot, that's, that's usually a, a good indicator. If they're also selling something that's like, you know, an investment, you know, that you you don't have financially that like causes you to, you know, go into debt, I would I would think twice about that. I think I under I definitely agree with like sometimes you need to invest money before you have it fully to be able to get to the next level. But they're, you know, getting some more evidence that these people have done that themselves or that they are, they have a a track record of people being able to, of advancing and improving um, their lives from those investments. Um, I do think like there's a lot to be said about like what your instinctual feelings are when you're talking to somebody, whether you feel like they're trustworthy and authentic, whether you get like a good vibe from them, from your conversation. Um, and also I think the last thing would be uh, knowing if you're in feeling in a more vulnerable state and making an emotional purchase or an emotional choice. Definitely. And, um, yeah, I did want to ask a question when we were talking about kind of hustle and and, and everything, because I think, um, sometimes maybe people find it challenging to like let go of things, especially maybe as entrepreneurs, you know, we want to do things ourselves. And I'm just curious on how, I mean, you might have answered it through like, um, helping people with meditation and that, but how, what are some other ways how you help people to let go? And yeah, just like, I'm just interested about that and why people just can't let go and that process of finding that that inner peace to let go instead of wanting to do everything themselves, especially as entrepreneurs, you know, um, and and realizing that actually I can't outsource this to, you know, or or hire a VA or something, you know, to help. So yeah, so do you, so to let go, I think the re- part of the reason why we struggle to let go is because we care. We care about what's gonna, what the outcome is and 
it's an indication of having passion, which is a wonderful thing. So I think first off, it's to recognize that the difficulty in letting go is coming from a, a good value in yourself, a good characteristic and quality, one of caring and, and passion. Um, the other thing would be, you know, that to constant, our brains are hardwired to constantly stay in a thought feedback loop um, until an action is completed, until um, a, an experience has run its course. So if you're, if you constantly have this to-do list, you know, and you're, and we're not um, taking that time uh, consistently to disconnect, to recharge, letting go within our brain feels like this, it, that's where like that anxiety comes from. We don't have that um, uh, downshifting time. We have this constantly building to-do list. And so there it, within our brain, it creates this uh, feedback loop where it feels, it creates anxiety and we feel stressed if we don't um, finish or like a task or a project if we don't let go. So in that, it's under, I find it super empowering to understand how the brain functions and to know that actually engaging with the, the thought or like, you know, oh, I have to, uh, I have to do X thing um, doesn't actually help us to let go. There's, if we can start to step back, practice deep breath, practice not engaging and being in the experience of now, then we can create more ease. There's um, something that I often tell my clients and students is that what distinguishes us as humans and is our ability to project into the future and to reflect on the past. We're the only animals out there that can do that. And that's what makes us be able to build businesses, families, relationships, and so on but it's this disconnection from the present moment that creates the dis-ease in our bodies and our minds. And so we have to practice being present, not in all of our to-dos, all of our um, past things we wish we could change or alter. We have to be, practice being in that discomfort and learning how to self-soothe uh, through um, pranayama, breath work, meditation, focusing the mind in a, a relaxed focus. So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. Arsene, do you have any um, like final, final questions or anything? Yeah, I just, man, I'm just fascinated. I love how many uh, actionable steps you've given to a lot of people out there. Um, and I think it's really, really important for people to understand that disconnect. You know, as you've been speaking, probably for the last 20 minutes, I realized that, you know, flying, for some reason, it, you know, there's always this, this, this memory of me flying Cathay Pacific to either Hong Kong or back from Hong Kong to Singapore or back from Singapore, two to three hours of disconnect. I felt so at peace. Yes, I was still on my laptop, but I was focusing on very important things like reading, you know, writing things down, doing this, doing that. And it, it felt so good to be away from the world for those three hours. You know what I mean? Now, if I was gone for like 15 hours flying from Australia to LA, you know, I'd, I'd start having, you know, spazzing and whatnot. But, you know, I think it's really important for people to just say, you know what, let me get away from everything 
let everything handle itself. And that's, you know, when Luke talked about the VA, you know, having a VA handle all the social media and this and this and this and having everything prepared, that gives you the ability to just be with yourself, be with your oneness. And I think we have, as a society, lost touch with that. Uh, and it's not a bad thing, because again, we're just adapting to what's around us now, but that's still the most important part. And you know what, if you could do that in the morning, waking up in the morning, like you said, the morning routine, the night routine, and not looking at your phone and just practicing a meditation or writing down a gratitude list and looking at your phone after a hot or cold shower, there you go. You know what I mean? Because then you are in tune with your feelings. You're feeling good. No one could come in your bubble. You've prepared your mind. You've woken. You know what I mean? You just feel on top of the world. Totally. I agree. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Erica, do you have any um, final thoughts for our listeners? And where can people find you online if they want to learn more about what you did? Sure. Um, you can find me uh, on Instagram at Erica Surgott, um, E-R-I-C-A-S-E-R-G-O-T-T. And my website is just my name, the same thing. I also have a meditation recording available on Insight Timer that you can listen if you want to practice this deep rest or this yoga nidra style of meditation. Um, the last few things I'd say is that um, don't be discouraged from coaching or getting support or hypnotherapy or NLP. I know I went on a rant there, but um, <laughs> it's because I care so much about um, people's development and like nothing breaks my heart more than seeing people really actively seeking help and support and getting stuck into these like marketing funnels and, um, and not developing the skills that help them to become the the version of them, the most empowered version of themselves that is living a more balanced life um, and experiencing the, the success that they want in their life, their career, their family, with their families. And, um, and yet, yeah, rest, take a nap. Like, that's, that's my advice. Take a nap. Like you, you deserve that. It's, that rest is essential to success. So um, take it easy and you'll get there. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for, for coming on. And guys, if you know anyone who needs to hear Erica's message today, then you know what to do. Share this episode of Motivational Mentors with them. And we will be back next week for another episode of the show. So we will see you then. Did you find this episode helpful? If you did, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe New episodes of the Motivational Mentors podcast are available every Friday.